Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I'm David Chen, and with me is... Ginger Hardwar. Joining us also, he is a film writer at Gizmodo and io9, Jermaine Lucier. Welcome back to the Slash Filmcast. Jermaine, how are you doing today? I am doing so well because of what I made you guys do. Um, so I'm glad to be here to hear all your thoughts on what we're about to discuss. Uh, yeah, so today on the Slash Filmcast, we're going to be do- discussing some brief what we've been watching and then moving on, uh, a little bit of fum- film news, and then moving on into an in-depth review of Slackers, which is the movie <laughs> that we watched this week because we yep. literally lost Not the a- seminal Richard Linklater <laughs> film, Slackers. No, this is Not the that. sequel. This is the sequel, Slackers. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But when he he doesn't want anything to do with. <laughs> no, no, nor nor is it the 2009 Masahiro Muromatsu movie Slackers. Uh, yeah. It is the Dewey Nix classic, as you put it, Slackers. And uh, you know, Jermaine, we already recorded uh, w- w- when we recorded last week's episode. We said to people, "Do not watch Slackers in preparation for this episode." Uh, because people like to watch things, and we said, you know, do not watch. Sure. Do not watch yeah. this one. You know, it's we, it's a moral service. It's a yeah. You know, it's a it, it's helpful. Yeah, this but this is, is helpful, kind helpful. of this this is kind of our um. How did this get made, though? Isn't it in a way? Let's in a way, yeah. Except in how did this get made? I'm pretty sure most of the time, like none of them like it. Um. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I guess. I guess that's true. Well, it's not true. My favorite episode of that is when yeah. they viewed Rad. The, the great BMX film from 1980 uh, something and and a couple of them really love it. Yeah, Anyways. they talk about a lot of bad movies that they genuinely love. I feel like yeah, this is certainly th- this feels almost too terrible for how this gets made because it's not even it's not even <laughs> bad in the way that a fun bad movie. Yeah, is. yeah, uh, it's agreed. just gross. Agreed. All unless right, so, unless we'll get to it in a minute. Yeah, we're gonna get to it. We're gonna get to it. But I mean. So the summer movie wager is the the yearly uh, competition where we try to guess the top ten movies of the summer by domestic box office, and every year we say the winner gets to choose uh, a movie or something that all the losers must watch, right? And so that's what we did in this episode. But uh, you might be asking yourself, wait, where are all the losers, right? Uh, well, Jeff Kanata uh, is still recovering from his eye surgery, so he actually gets an out on this one. Because, that's, a fine, that's a fine excuse. Because in no world am I going to force someone to watch Slackers as the first thing they watch when, after they've gained their eyesight back. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love it. Because that would be literally cruel and unusual punishment. Uh, Im- imagine not being able to see for weeks, and the first thing you see is the 2002 film Slackers. Well, it's a beautiful people in it. Jim I would never, Sala, I would Siegel. never be able to forgive myself. I would never <laughs> be able to forgive myself. Um, oh my I can barely forgive myself. I can barely look myself in the mirror today, having seen Slackers. Well, uh, well but there's one other loser. Where, where's what's going on with that? Oh yeah, Peter Serena. That's a good question, Jermaine. Um, Peter Serena. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know where Peter is, but um, what I where I think he is is. Somewhere where he's not courageous enough to watch Slackers. Yeah. Um, which is... Uh, he could not, could not take the punishment, the yeah. loss. You guys... We cut to Peter's house. He's moved out. There is no trace of him. He will go to extreme lengths not to see Slackers, okay? Yeah, extreme lengths, like saying, hey, Dave, I don't have time to watch Slackers, an 87-minute movie uh, in time for next week's podcast. Then you you're see like, Midsummer. Yeah, yeah, you've seen the Midsummer. Scott twice. How many times? He, how many times has he been to Galaxy's Edge? 
<laughs> but slackers. This, this guy has been to Galaxy's Edge 15 times, can't watch slackers once. Been to another galaxy? Man. You know, you know how long the drive is from Anaheim to Cal- <laughs> to uh, Disneyland? It's about 45 minutes. So, boom, watch on the way there, watch on the way back. He could have had, like, Kitra drive him to Galaxy's Edge and watch slackers on the ride there and back. And he refused to do this. Um, Absolutely. You'd want to survive that car ride. So, you would Shame. not play that. Yeah. So, so on the one hand, you know, I don't really give a crap whether Peter Serretta watches slackers. Like, my, my life is not impacted by whether or not Peter Serretta watches slackers. On the other hand, uh, he must suffer. I, I do think that this really does call into question, like, what next year's summer movie wages. Like, what if he wins next year? You know what I mean? Like, then it's like, well, does he get to inflict the movie on us even though he didn't do this year's movie? Uh, <laughs> I, I think that only happens if he watches Slackers anyway, not for the purposes of this podcast. And then <laughs> if you want, you know what we could do? We could do, uh, if he does, we could, I could come on real quick and we could do, I could do a lightning round quiz to see yeah, how well yeah, it does. Yeah. Plot points. Uh, plot points, different things, yes. What gross sex act occurred in this scene? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All of them at once. Oh Jesus. my gosh, yeah. You're, remind, you're, um, you're giving me PTSD from slackers. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Uh, let's get on with the show, folks. Uh, what we've been watching. Jermaine, tell us about what you've been watching this week. Oh, yeah. Um, I spent some time and I binged through... Uh, the Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance, on uh, Netflix, and holy crap, it is awesome. I, uh, I, I've seen the original movie, but probably I've had, I saw it so long ago, I don't remember having seen it. I just know I saw it. I probably saw it when I was like five or six years old. Uh, so I was like, do I really want to watch this show? And then the reviews came out, and a lot of my colleagues were like, it's very, very good. And I watched it, and it made me feel like I was watching – Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter, just this incredible world uh, with this great world building and characters and mythology and it's all puppets. So the artistry is incredible and the cinematography is beautiful. And I, I it was so excellent yeah. that the, the writing is great. Like oh, the God, world yes. building is great. It, this is like the next, uh, this is pretty much the next game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings type thing. Yeah. I'm, it really should be. But I think a lot of people are not going to give it a chance. Cause like, why would I want to watch puppets? And it's yeah, like, yeah. if you want, I mean, it's like a lot of, I know adults who say I wouldn't watch a Pixar movie cause it's animated. And it's like, dude, uh, it's made for you. Like they make these movies for us. Yeah. Um, I saw the first it, couple episodes of this, by the way, Jermaine, yeah. it is, it, it throws you in deep. Like it oh, does yeah. not wait to like there there is no like uh introduction to bag end and everything, right? There there's a no. slight introduction to the world, but otherwise like things get really complex really quickly. I was surprised. And then as you get later though, it, it, it sort of simplifies with that stuff and you sort of get the kind of, you know, good guys, bad guys, but then the action and the set pieces are unreal good. Like you're like, how are they doing this? And the answer is a lot of great filmmaking techniques, but like yeah, it, it really is really good. And like, I just, I can't recommend it enough. If you're into science fiction fantasy, you don't have to have seen the first Dark Crystal. And guess what? It's also on Netflix. I'm actually, I'm going to rewatch it as like an 11th episode of this, you know, uh, tomorrow or later this week. Cause um, I just, I can't wait. I, I just, I bought like some Funko Pops for the show. Like I'm like immersed in it. I want like all of it. I'm like so into it right now. It's, it really got me. Well, that's the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. Uh, so, how many episodes you, you you've watched the whole thing, Devendra? Are you are you through the first season? Uh, not the f- entire thing, just like the first couple episodes. But it's like, it's great. 
it has some great writing. Um, uh, one of my favorite TV writers who did, um, or his name is Javier Grigio Markswatch. He's done a bunch of fantastic shows. He's worked on Charmed. He's worked on like all sorts of things. He's a part of this. I just, I kind of love all the talent involved in the show. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing. The, all 10 episodes are directed by Louis Lettier, who did, mm-hmm. um, you know, he did The Hulk, but he, and he did Nike See Me, um, who's, you know, and and the voice cast is like unreal. I mean, Taron Edgerton, Natalie Emmanuel, that's not how you pronounce it, Anna Taylor-Joy, Jason Isaacs, I'm looking at the IMDb now, Simon Pegg, Gugu Mabatu-Raw, Keegan-Michael Key, Mark Hamill, like, it's Harvey Firestein, Aquafina. Lena Headley. It's like Game of Thrones meets Star Wars meets Kingsman. It's unreal. The voice cast, like, and it just that just adds an even extra layer of excellent. All right. Well, glad to hear it. Glad to hear uh, everyone's been enjoying it. Again, the show is the Dark Crystal: Age of Resistance. And do you need to have seen the original to to enjoy this? No, not at all. Like I said, it's it's a prequel to the original. So mm-hmm. the the original kind of acts as like an extra episode if you want it to. Um, th- so I, I had, like I said, I remembered nothing about the original. I didn't know what a Gelfling was or a Sketsy or any of that. And you just watch this and it just completely immerses you on its own. All right. Well, again, Dark Crystal Age of Resistance is on Netflix right now. Devendra, what have you been watching this week? I've been watching uh, some screeners for the show Undone, which is going to be premiering on Amazon Prime Video this Friday. Uh, this thing is insane. This show is one of the best things I've seen in the past few years. Like it's just it, Whoa, it's everything. Nice. Yeah, it is a rotoscoped. But didn't you watch Slackers? Uh, yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah, okay, see, okay. yeah. Now we're talking about something good. This is getting oh, us okay. ready to talk about Slackers. So okay. I have the energy in my body, Jermaine, to talk about that movie. Um, All right, double checking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this show, this show's about a girl who gets involved in a car accident and basically starts to see her dead father and learns that she has uh, certain powers, like the ability to manipulate time and maybe space and maybe other things. This show is like a hodgepodge of Russian doll, uh, the matrix Satoshi Khan movies uh, like paprika. It is a mind trip. It's a complete mind fuck. Uh, and it's also entirely rotoscoped. Um, so it has the animation style of like a scanner darkly. Uh, I believe it's done by the same studio too. Um, Minnow Mountain. Uh, they're Austin based. It stars Rosa Salazar uh, from Alita and Bob Odenkirk as her father. Great voice cast all around. It's written and created by uh, Raphael Bob Waksberg from uh, Bojack Horseman and Kate Birdie, who also worked on that show. It is it, it's just incredible because it's a show about this. Um, you know, a, she's a disaffected 20 something girl who's really trying to find direction in her life. And she stumbles into this situation where she kind of has this power and it's helping her grow as a person. Uh, there is some great storytelling here. Things get wild and cosmic and like, yeah, it really starts to feel like the matrix at certain points where like the show's just starting to play with the notions of time and reality and the way the universe works. It's deep. While at the same time, it's like super intimate and I think doing a great job of telling a story about a person who's just trying to piece things together and trying to, you know, have a happy life with her family. Uh, the Her ultimate goal is to figure out if her father was murdered in the past while talking to the ghost of her father. It's a great concept. It looks incredible. I think a lot of the set pieces just feel like they're straight up lifted from Satoshi Kon movies. Like they're trippy. 
uh, I can understand why it's rotoscoped animated um, because the show can just do impossible things. Like they could be talking in one scene and then all of a sudden they're in space and then all of a sudden they're underwater or something like that. Uh, it really taps into the unlimited potential of animation while also giving us like a deep sense of reality because it's also, you know, drawing over real people. Uh, yeah, I, ca I cannot speak highly enough of this show. Everybody check it out. I feel like Amazon releases a lot of things um, that tend to be good. And sometimes it's just me shouting to the void. Like, for the love of God, watch Bosch. For the love of God, watch Mozart <laughs> in the Jungle. Um, these are great shows. Uh, I, uh, some people see them. Clearly, like, uh, they have enough support to be uh, getting these seasons. But I can't really tell sometimes if people are actually watching these things. Uh, please watch Undone. It's so good. It's fantastic. I can't wait for everybody to see it. Wow. All right. That's undone. Uh, Jermaine, you heard of the show? Just in passing, I mean, I just was like, oh, this that Scanner Darkly Rose the Salazar yeah. show. And I didn't yeah. even it didn't even occur to me that it would be anywhere near what Davinder just said. I'm color me interested. All right. Well, that's uh, again undone. It's on Prime Video this week, uh, on Friday. I think it's coming out on, on September thirteenth. Uh, check out on Amazon Prime. Uh, I have colleagues who are working on that show. So uh, you should check it out. That's going to do it for what we've been watching this week. Hey, I want to tell you about a brand new sponsor to the Slash Film cast that my wife is actually very excited about. She's getting photo ready. It's, you know, the holidays are right around the corner. I know it's, it's a little early to talk about the holidays, but the holidays are coming. And my wife has uh, the bottom row of her front teeth she's always felt a little self-conscious about. And now she can actually do something about it easily because Candid has aligners that can help straighten your teeth faster than traditional wired braces. That's awesome. And the treatment takes just six months on average. An experienced orthodontist who's licensed in your state creates a custom treatment plan. And then they show you a 3D preview so you can see how your teeth will look after you're done. And then you put the aligners on. They're comfortable, removable, and completely invisible, so you don't even have to feel self-conscious about it. My wife is so excited to get started on this. Uh, she has been really, really thrilled to have a chance to try Candid. And Candid ships your aligners directly to you, so there's no hassle of going through an orthodontist's office. And the best part, Candid costs 65% less than braces. Wow, that's incredible. And with each aligner you purchase... Candid donates $25 to Smile Train. Uh, that's an organization that brings safe, 100% free cleft lip and palate treatment to children all around the globe. So not only are you doing something for yourself, but actually through using Candid, you are helping kids all around the world with their issues as well. That's pretty amazing. Erin says she's going to have a photo-ready smile by the holidays. So uh, she's super excited to get started on this. You can too. If you go to candidco.com slash filmcast and use the code filmcast, you'll get $75 off. Wow. That's candidco.com slash filmcast. And then the promo code Filmcast for $75 off. It's not just Candid. It's Candid CO. You got to remember that. Candid Co. CandidCO.com slash Filmcast. Use that promo code Filmcast. Save a whole bunch of money and get smile ready. Get photo ready for the holidays. All right. 
Before we get to our review, there is one thing I want to talk about. It's not really what I've been watching this week, but I I, I have been watching this thing called uh, Honest Trailer Commentaries. You guys know the Honest Trailers, and they they do these things Mm -hmm. called commentaries. Yeah. And uh, Honest Trailer Commentaries, where they kind of like comment on the making of the Honest Trailer. And it's like one of my favorite YouTube channels, and the commentaries are really entertaining. They're like podcast episodes. Screen junkies, uh, right? Screen junkies, that's right. Uh, or fandom, whatever they are right now. Yeah. And I was watching the uh, honest trailer commentary for Con Air, uh, for, uh, commenting on their Con Air uh, honest trailer. I, I, I think that was like quite a while ago. But um, anyway, during that conversation, they came up with uh, a. They, they were talking about Nicolas Cage movies. Like, Nicolas Cage had a, had a really excellent few years. Where he was in The Rock, Con Air, and Face Off, right? Mm-hmm. All in the span of a couple of years. And they were talking about which one of those movies uh, was the best one. And I tweeted out the following You can only keep one of the following three Nicolas Cage movies. The other two will be eradicated from the face of the earth with no memory of them ever having existed. Which one do you choose? <laughs> the Rock, Con Air, or Face Off? Like, so inspired by that screen junkie thing, I uh-huh. tweeted out th- th- this three choices. And I thought it'd be fun to talk about today on the podcast. Like, if you could, this actually reminds me of a thing that Drew McWeenie does as well. He he has a thing called mm-hmm. Movie God, where like you can eliminate like all the works of like this director, or you know, in this case, you can eliminate one of these three Nicolas Cage movies. Uh, which one, or two of these three Nicolas Cage movies? Like, which one do you keep if you can only keep right. one of these? Jermaine Lucier, let's start with you. Yeah, I voted on your poll, and uh, for me, it's The Rock. Um, I, I think there's something about the setup of that movie, the conceit of that movie, uh, the sort of location of that movie. You know, you, you take this incredible story and you put it on such an iconic place. Michael Bay, sort of his second movie, where he was still kind of raw, but had that sort of vision where, and he had Jerry Bruckheimer and Don Simpson actually producing, which actually made him a good director. Um, and, and Cage is is not like full blown Cage, he's like seventy percent Cage, and he gets you know checked by Sean Connery. As much I, I like Face Off a lot, I don't love it as much as everybody else. I watched it recently and didn't hold up as much as I liked it to. And I always thought Con Air was kind of a cheesy movie, kind of almost like a twenty nineteen Nicolas Cage oh, yeah. movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Con Air, but- barely held up when it's you know when it aired. <laughs> you know exactly. So to me, the the Rock is just all around an all around excellent movie. Mm-hmm. Where I think Face Off has a, a good conceit, great performances, great direction. But I don't know if I love the story. Um, so for me, it's The Rock. Here, here's the thing about Con Air, okay? Which mm-hmm. is clearly, I, I think, like most people think, is the worst out of these three films. And oh yeah, uh, and did the worst in the poll as well. The thing about Con Air is it has had a life beyond the movie itself. And it, specifically in the form of memes, like for instance, uh, you know that meme that's like, "Hey, blow on this this gif of Nicolas Cage," and then like it's like Cameron Poe, like yeah, uh, like his hair getting blown back, you know, put the bunny back in the box, whatever the hell Steve Buscemi's doing in this movie, whatever the hell John Malkovich is doing in this movie. Uh, like those things, those performances, those moments have lived beyond even the scope of the film, uh, and so. I think for that reason, people think on it fondly, even though at the time sure. it was not like very well reviewed or well regarded at all, right? No. Uh, but it, it's one of those movies where, like, as time has gone on, people have appreciated it more. 
and, and as it's been removed from its original context, it's like, oh, this thing is so cheesy and ridiculous. Uh, and, and it's like it's a kind of movie like that they don't they wouldn't really make today, or you know they they rarely make today, right? I mean, probably yeah. the closest thing we have to Con Air today is uh, Angel Has Fallen, and even that yeah. is like not even nearly as ridiculous as Con. No, Air. It would be a Netflix movie today for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I am also not a huge fan of Con Air, but uh, yeah, there are, it does have its moments, and it is really funny and ridiculous. But different cast, too. It's got that sort of Armageddon cast where you're like, oh my God, John Malkovich is in this? Oh my God, Dave Chappelle is in this? <laughs> Dave yeah, Chappelle yeah, yeah. is in it? John Cusack? Cole Meany? Anyway, um, so Divinger Hardwar, <laughs> okay? Uh, assuming Con Air is out of contention, then you can only keep The Rock and Face Off. Which one do you keep? This is a clear choice for me. It's an easy choice for me. Come on. Anybody who's listened to the show knows I'm going to choose Keep Face Off. Yeah. Face Off is, for me, it's not just like a great movie. I think it is a wild confluence of many different things. Like you have Travolta doing his thing. You have Cage being fully caged and then you have them like swapping playing each other you have john woo like this is his best american action movie uh i think the rock is a very good movie but i also think um a lot of very competent directors could make that movie like nothing about that movie feels special it just feels very polished it feels like a really well done 90s action movie whereas face off is so weird and so bonkers and so insane and has such like visionary ideas. And the set pieces are so like, I'm not sure who beyond John Woo would, could come up with some of those set pieces. Uh, that's why I would always vote for face off. So I don't think, I, I think that the rock, I still think the rock is Michael Bay's best film, right? Absolutely. I mean, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, after yes. all this time. And uh, I don't, I agree with you that a lot of directors could have made the rock and it would have been pretty good. But I do think Michael Bay brings a lot to that movie. Like, when we think of the canonical Michael Bay flourishes, right? The low spinning shot as people, like, stand up. Um, the, like, super hyper-lit music video-esque settings. The fetishism for the American military and technology. Like, all that stuff is is like Michael Bay at his most bayiest in 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 The Rock, and there is a lot of value to that. You also have. But does it have a shootout set to "Somewhere Over the Rainbow"? <laughs> does it? Uh, no, it doesn't. No, but it has it... a joke. Has a joke where he calls him Rocket Man and he shoots him off with an Elton John joke. I mean, it does. Uh, it does. It no, does no. have a Rocket Man joke. Um, it does have Nick. Uh, it does have Sean Connery showering to like uh, that San Francisco song while he <laughs> takes a clothesline that he's going to use to hang. Uh, what is it, John Spencer off the building later? You know, like yeah, a Ferrari versus a Hummer down the streets of San Francisco. That this shot in San Francisco. And uh, the thing is, I mean, th- this is like one of my favorite Ed Harris performances uh, because you you kind of like even though Ed Harris is doing something monstrous you kind of understand why he's doing it. You know, like, it's like, oh, okay, uh, that makes sense to me why he did that. I don't agree, but, like, uh, he is so charismatic and so compelling in this movie. Uh, And, you know, there's been movies where, uh, spoilers for The Rock coming up, but there's been movies where, (laughs) uh, like, a bad guy will uh, uh, become good, like, at the last minute, right? They'll be like, Mm -hmm. oh, hey, I've been bad this whole movie, but, like, now I'm going to be good because like the plot demands it and you know that's how this movie will make sense or that's how we get to the ending. Uh, and very often 
uh, I will find that turn to be unconvincing. Like, I won't like it. I'll think it's, like, very inorganic. Ed Harris turning good at the end of that movie is, like, one of the only ones, like, the only ones, the times I've believed a villain can turn good. You know, like, oh, he all of his decisions, the weight of all his decisions finally caught up with him, and that's why he's doing what he's doing now. Like, that makes sense to me. Uh, and so, love the performance. Sean Connery, you know, this is one of my favorite roles of his. Yeah. Basically uh, playing old Bond. Yeah, basically yeah. playing old James Bond. Yeah, you know, like, James Bond who's been captured, and now, like, they're releasing him out into the world. I mean, he's amazing in this movie. Uh, and I, I think it's closer to 50% Nicolas Cage. Um, in, okay. in terms of like how, how Nicolas Cage, Nicolas Cage is in this movie. I think it's like 50%. Um, there are a lot of classic Nicolas Cage lines in this movie, but, uh, ultimately I'm going to have to go with face off as well because, wow. All right. because face off is so out there, right? Uh, I think Honest Trailer Commentary said, like, this movie is two hours of cocaine, basically. Like, yeah. It's basically, like, <laughs> crazy idea after crazy idea of, like, what if we reverse these people's faces? And what if we had John Travolta play one of them and Nicholas? Cage? Did you hear they're, they may be rebooting it? Well, no. That, that I mean, that's what we're going to talk about. That's what we're going to okay. talk about oh, today. Spoilers. Th- yeah, thanks, Devendra. You should have warned me. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> any, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I mean... Uh, the stylistic flourishes are, I would say, comparable to The Rock in terms of like yes. the, the Rock is so stylish, Face Off is so stylish. This is John Woo's best American action movie. Uh, I mean, I, yep, John Woo compared to Michael Bay. There's no comparison. I mean, John mm-hmm. Woo is a maestro, and Michael Bay is uh, he's like a 26 year old kid learning to do what he's doing at this point. I, I think know? Bay can't be a maestro with a certain within Agreed. a certain Agreed. scope. Like yeah, there's a but, scope that he works in, whereas John Woo's like, what if we had a speedboat chase and we were shooting you know, during it? Uh, let's let's have the showdown in a church. Like there's just there's so much, so many ideas, so, so many doves in uh, in Face Off. It's like the it's the, dove, it. it's the doviest of dove John Woo movies too. Yeah, the the one thing that I thought was interesting was somebody tweeted in response to me like uh, about this poll that. The one bad thing about uh, Face Off is like if we if we took Face Off away, right? It's possible that John Woo would not have stayed in the United States trying to make films for ten years, right? Um, right. And like it would be ten years until he made Red Cliff, right? Uh, since Face Off, uh, he did make Mission Impossible Two, which was a massively successful movie, and then he made and the world Win- is better for it. Like, come on. Uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, and then, and then there's it, got us, it got us Mission Impossible four, five, and yes. six. So that's yes. good, yeah. right? I, I guess you know that's one way of looking at it. Is if John Woo hadn't directed Mission Impossible two, we never would have gotten the rest of the Mission Impossibles. And you're Listen, right, a significant chunk of my high school experience would be very different with without Mission Impossible two. So God it's, bless that. It's it's true. It's true. Uh, another way you could look at it though is a different director would have made Mission Impossible two, and it might have been. <laughs> Uh, they might have aged better. Who knows? Who Don't knows? think we would have gotten motorcycle fights. Don't think we would have gotten uh, sports cars dancing on a highway. Literally. Yeah, I, okay, that scene was pretty cool. Um, yeah. But uh, then he made Wind Talkers and Paycheck, and nobody really liked those movies particularly that much. Uh, and so then, uh, you know, he went back to Ch- like China to make Redcliffe uh, in 2008. Uh, that's the movie. That's when that movie came out. And yeah, like I wonder if. If John Woo had never made Face Off, if he'd made Broken Arrow and then uh-huh. uh, you know decided to go back and, and get his Red Cliff 
part of his career started sooner, we might be living in a better cinematic world, right? Sure. Sure. <laughs> Except we did talk about John Woo's recent Hong Kong film for Netflix called Manhunt, which I believe you hated, David Chen. And you hated so much, we actually spent five minutes before this uh, this this cut in the in the podcast. We spent five minutes trying to get David Chen to remember that he talked about Manhunt with me oh on his very podcast. The fourth wall just crumbled. It was just unbelievable. <laughs> That's how forgettable that movie is. Yeah, pretty pre- pretty rough, pretty rough. But uh, but yeah, I think the premise of Face Off is so unique. The performances are so memorable. He didn't write that movie, but I think he brought a lot to like to the execution of it. For the sure. moments, there's so many moments, like the double golden pistols, the opening Peter sequence of the Hummer and the plane. You know, I mean, it is peak. Um, it, it's it's the perfect melding of John Woo and American action film. Uh, it's like <laughs> such a perfect fusion of those two things. Um, you know, uh, uh, just like the freaking Erewhon prison, right? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I mean, prison? the whole concept of Erewhon yeah. prison is so ridiculous, and uh, the idea of switching bodies with some—it's it, just everything is. They, they got to be the so, the similar height. Right, they're, they're, it has to be just right for this to work. <laughs> yeah, like, um, well, I mean, you, you know, you bring up a good point, Devendra, which is that we learned today that Paramount is going to be rebooting Face Off. All right. Uh, reading here from Deadline.com, the what studio will the, the studio will reboot the film with a new cast. Oren Uziel has been set to write the script, and Neil Moritz will produce, and David Permit will will be executive producer. Oren Uziel, of course, the director of The Cloverfield Paradox, for those who oh saw that movie. I believe he's a writer. I don't think he directed it. Um, I'm pretty sure he directed it. Um, you could be right. You could, I, I could be wrong. I'm going pretty, to pretty sure he around. directed... Oh, no, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, he, he wrote it. Julius Ona. Uh, yeah. directed the Cloverfield Paradox, so that's my Neil bad. Moritz, by the way, also produced Slackers, so we've come full circle. That's true. We've come by the way, and the other thing is, at least uh, they didn't write Ten Cloverfield Lane. Whoever did that was a piece of crap. That's and, all I want to say. Yeah, I mean, whoever worked on that movie, uh, uh, and terrible. It, <laughs> no, but seriously though, I mean, friend of the podcast. Here, here's a here's a question. Okay, if if you could choose. And I know, like, I'm putting you guys on the spot here, but if you could choose two actors, uh huh, yes, to, I already have them. Okay, to switch bodies yes. or, or, or switch, you know, yeah, switch bodies yes. in in a new face-off, who would they be? Devinder Hardwick. I propose. I yeah. propose Will Smith and Jamie Fox because I think that would be a ton of fun. But there is like a five or six inch height difference, so it's not work. <laughs> it won't work for them. But movies, movies. We think Tom Cruise is six feet tall. So you just want to see like bad boys. That's cool. We made that movie. It's great. Um, so Will Smith cop action movie. Got it. Uh, no, Will Smith being Jamie Fox and Jamie Fox being Will Smith. I get it. I get it. I, I don't know. I mean, that oh, would be fun. That would be great. I love both those guys. I think that's good. I, I saw people like putting up stuff today. I think you got to gender flip it. And I think it's got to be like, but I get thing is, is that I can think of a lot of awesome women who should be in it, but I can't think of two like polar opposites. You know what I mean? Right. right. That's the hard part. Is that like, were you like, were you like, I don't know. I, I got nothing. I have nothing. Okay. But so I, so I think, let, yeah. let me propose that what you need 
to make face off work is you need kind of like the straight man, right? Like Sean Archer, right? And then you yeah. need a character who's like way balls to the wall, like really out of his gourd kind of deal, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Emily and- Blunt and Eva Green. There you go. Oh, yeah. That's a great. Those great. Emily Blunt and Eva Green. That would be a great combination to see like them, them change. But I actually think you need, to, you need to go even further out there. Okay. Uh-huh. So let's see. Um, I'm going to say that. Uh, okay. Here, here we go. I, I, my first actor um, is Gary Busey. <laughs> I think you need. <laughs> so you want to make zero dollars at the box office? I think you need. I think you need Gary Busey. This is that blockbuster video for some reason because there guys, aren't any in existence anymore. Because guys, Gary Busey is inimitable, right? Like, like the the fun of watching Face Off is you're watching Sean, is you're watching John Travolta yeah. try to it pretend has to be a legendary. He's actor. trying to pretend yes. to be Nicolas Cage. That is what is amazing about Face Off is you're you're watching watching one actor you know try to pretend to be another actor you know. I know who so, your second one is, Dave. Uh, is it Nick Nolte? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're both crazy. That makes no sense. It also it, it would yeah it's it's the same same flavor. It's the same crazy old white guy flavor. Like it, it, we got to change it up somehow. We got to have different tones. I don't know. Uh, so, so that, that's a good combo. Um, let's see. How tall is okay? Here, here's another one. Here's another one. Movie that's, magic just, makes just, it all. They work. just change their faces, dudes. It doesn't matter how all, tall they are. Listen, and then this time, <laughs> this time they also need to swap penises because uh, <laughs> not sure how that worked in the first movie. Really not sure how the wife did not figure that out. <laughs> okay, um, let me throw another one out there. Um, okay, how about Ed Harris? And Steve Buscemi, what do you what do you think? Like, I think they would be okay. like distinctive enough. Ed Harris and Ed O'Neill. <laughs> that that I could work. Confused. That could work. That could work. Too, a lot of Eds there. Okay, Jermaine, any you wanna you wanna vote on who who should be in the new Face Off? None of the people you said. Mm. That's all. So I, my vote is my vote is the field. My vote is the field versus the, your, your picks. I have nothing. Like I said, I just. The, yeah. the, the, uh, honestly, it's hard. It's hard because I wrote about this a little bit, and I was just like, <laughs> it, "It it is such a fine line." Like Cage and Travolta are, it's so perfect because they're at that time, especially like now they're both kind of crazy, yeah. you know. But at that time, just Cage was like starting to break crazy, and Travolta was still like a respected actor. It's like you know, you're talking like three years after Pulp Fiction, yeah. John Travolta. You need some iconic actors, therefore Will Smith. And Jamie Foxx. Right. It's the only logical solution. I just feel like their their personalities are both boisterous and fun and oh, similar. No, no, no. Well, I, I don't think they're similar. Well, also, they also did Ali together. But I think what we've seen is that, uh, let's just say, I think Jamie Foxx has a lot more nuance to him than Will Smith does as an actor. And I think it'd okay. be really fun. I just want to see Jamie Foxx play Will Smith for an entire movie. Basically, that's all. Way, I I, you know what else I realized? I realized before we go off of this, and somebody people were recasting this, and the one that I kept seeing was The Rock and Kevin Hart, which doesn't make any sense. But <laughs> it, I was like, they're just this is just Jumanji. Like yeah, Jumanji is Jumanji. just that. Like like it's just those actors playing. It's The Rock and Danny DeVito. Oh my God! It's Kevin Hart plays I, I have Danny Glover. Oh my God! I have the Steve Buscemi match, by the way. Uh, Jackie Earl Haley. Oh the, yeah. That'd be pretty good. Let me throw another one out there, right? I, if one of them is like Robert Downey Jr., right? 
Like, who would be great at imitating Robert yeah. Downey Jr.? Okay. You know, like, or wouldn't Chris you Evans. love? Wouldn't you love to see somebody try to pretend to be Robert Downey Jr.? Like, it's, that would it's, be. It's Iron Man, Iron Man, and Captain America. You want to yeah. sell tickets? There that you go. That would be the movie. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. So a lot of lot of potential. All that said, I think oh, this is. Oh. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr. and Christian Bale. Mmm. Ooh, that's that, real good. That's that'd good. Be fun. That is good, like because we haven't, we've rarely seen Christian Bale like cut loose like that, right? Yes. Maybe in like yes. the fighter, but like we haven't seen Christian Bale do something really I off the wall. Like I hear uh, Ford uh, Ferrari apparently is, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. and he's apparently yeah doing that basically. So all that said, uh, are we looking forward to a face-off remake? I mean, that that's the thing. So I should reveal that my poll on this topic, uh, face-off did win, so everyone chose wisely. The Rock was a close second. Uh, Face Off got uh, 41%. The Rock got 37%. Con Air, 22%. I just watched a live production of Face Off in the park here in Brooklyn. Okay, like there is love for Face Off yeah. in a way that as much as The Rock, I think, is respected and maybe widely regarded as Michael Bay's best movie, yeah, not, not the same level of respect, not fandom. Well, it's because it's so, Face Off is so weird. You know, yeah. like it's, The Rock is not weird. It's like really well executed, but it's not mm-hmm. weird. And I think weird things... Stand the test of time. So exactly. Uh, so all that said, are we looking forward to this face-off remake? Like, I, I don't know. Um, no, no, it's gonna be terrible. Oh like, yeah, I, th- I think it'll probably be. Very I think bad. it's a bad. I think it's a bad idea. I mean, they would have to again. They'd have to nail it. You'd have to be like, it's Edgar Wright directing Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. and and you know and Chris Evans, and you'd be like, oh shit, that's cool. But I think it was uh, Ben David Grabinski on Twitter who said like. All the directors I would trust with Face Off would never direct Face Off. Yes. And I was like, you nailed yes. it. Yeah, It's sacred. <laughs> you cannot do this. Yeah, uh, I guess they probably would respect John Woo too much, Michael right? Michael Bay directing the Face Off remake. No, that's terrible. Come who, on. Directed, like, who directed the Ninja Turtles movies? Let's get them together and let's make Face Off. Hey, everybody. Jeff Kanata here. Breaking in to talk to you a little bit about our sponsor, Raycon. Now, you may have heard that I recently had eye surgery. It was so fun. I couldn't use my eyes for a long time, and so I had to rely on my ears. And I'm so grateful. So many people sent amazing audiobook recommendations. People actually sent audio messages. And how did I listen to most of that stuff? I used my Raycon earbuds. I'm not joking. I really did. My wireless earbuds from Raycon. I have moved away from wired earphones. I am now using wireless because when you're blind and you're not able to do much, you don't want to fumble with wires. You don't want to get your hand caught in anything when you can't see where the wires are. But even if you're not in a terrible situation like I was, you don't want to deal with wires. That's why you want to go wireless. It's 2019. Everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds. And Raycon earbuds start at about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market. And they sound just as amazing. I truly have been using my Raycon, uh, the E50s. That's what I've been using. They've changed the way I listen to things because I don't I don't deal with wires anymore. They have a really cool little case that charges them and... Unlike some of the other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet. There's no weird dangling bit hanging out from your earlobe. It just fits all in there. It looks really cool. And they sound great, too. I really, really like my Raycon E50s. I think you'll enjoy them, too. 
So if you go to buyraycon.com slash filmcast, you can get 15% off your order. That's buyraycon.com slash filmcast for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. If you've been eyeing a pair, now is the time to get an amazing deal. Buyraycon.com slash filmcast. That's B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N dot com slash the word filmcast, F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. Check them out. I think you'll dig them. All right. Well, let's move on, folks, to our review of oh, Slackers. I, I really like how you delayed this, Dave. Like, you really just want to... Let's, that went long. Let's this talk about this news this. for half an hour, please. <laughs> Dave and his friends were the biggest scabbers on campus. We've done this before. Let's do it again. There was nothing they couldn't get away with. Oh, my Oh, Professor Marco, I hit by a truck today. Are you okay? You got hit by a truck. Until they met the one guy. I know what you did. I was there. I saw it. Cheaters. I was sitting right next to you. Remember me? They couldn't get away from. I got the proof. Not afraid to expel you. What do you want? Money, free dry cleaning, Euro pass. No, I don't. A Euro pass? No, no. I want you to get me a girl. I'm not gonna eat that, you retard. No one calls me a retard, you freaking hobo! The story about slackers. Bring me the girl, Dave. You and your friends are going down. I really hate to kick you guys out of school. One more job. I see we bury him. Lovers. His name's Ethan. He really likes you. Oh, and to love. Shut up! And a guy with a special friend. You be quiet, hair doll. I want your girlfriend to be my. I mean, Ethan is he's, he's nuts. I gotta be with Angela. As your attorney, I can't advise that. Uh, Angela, the guy that I like is your friend Dave. Dave! Yeah! Fudge! That was from the trailer for the Dewey Nicks 2002 film Slackers. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. When geeky Ethan discovers three fellow students scamming the examination system, he blackmails them to win over the college's most popular girl. So, Which is not even accurate, but okay, keep going. I'm sorry. That is a movie. No, but she's not the most. She's not the college's most popular girl. She's oh, kind that, of an intro. That's your quibble. <laughs> yeah, that's my quibble. All right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, Jermaine. I think you should submit a change to IMDb to uphold the integrity of the slackers. Well, well, you know what's funny. You know what's funny about that um, is I have submitted many changes to IMDb about slackers in the past. Um, mm. Are you sure? Are you sure? Quote, funny is the correct word and not sad. Right. Well. Well. <laughs> are we? All right. All right. Are we ready for this? You guys tell, ready? Tell, okay, so so Jermaine, yeah. before we begin, Jermaine's going to share yes. with us why he chose Slackers as the movie that he forced us to watch. Yeah. So Slackers is a movie that I know is very, very bad. And uh, it's very easy to crap on it. But when I was in – right after I graduated college, me and my friend John Chang, you were, we were huge potheads. And we decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get stoned and watch movies, which we did. And we watched Half-Baked and we watched Big Lebowski and we were basic bitch stoners. But then one day we were like, let's go rent a movie. We went downstairs to a video store and we're like, oh, this looks stupid. And we rented Slackers, just not knowing anything about it. And so we popped it on. And within within like 15 seconds, we were locked in. The movie starts with. You know, the discussions over the the studio cards and then this uh, this instrumental of Baba O'Reilly by 
the the who and it's like an ocean's 11 opening and we were like so mesmerized in our completely obliterated state that it became a fan favorite and over the next three or four years i swear without exaggeration i must have watched it 150 200 times jesus christ like we would watch we'd watch it like three or four times a week and and just la- and That's laugh and laugh healthy Jermaine. No, it was, well it, w- it was not a healthy time in my life i do not smoke marijuana anymore that's but not the we, unhealthy part. <laughs> but but the thing is that like we dissected this movie down to its bare bones. And like like I watched it earlier this week just to just refresh because I hadn't seen it in probably like two or three years. And I, I still remember every single line. And but we used to like when we rewatch it, we'd laugh and we'd enjoy it. But like we, we would go on the IMDB and we'd put on our favorite quotes into the in the memorable quotes section because they weren't on there. I'd be like, how do they not have the quote about you know, the uh, the seed of doubt. Or how do they not have the quote of slaves to the freaky ass booty? They got to have that on there. So we'd add them on there. We'd get so stoned. And John will get very mad for me <laughs> revealing this. That we would take out his like de- his cam and reshoot scenes starring he and I. Like we would reshoot the scenes. We would never edit them. And I don't know that footage exists anymore. But we would like get so stoned that we would redo the scenes. We were obsessed with it. And, and to this day, like I think. As bad as it is, and I, it probably is because of my weed mind that I watch it so many times. It is a it, it is brilliant in that it is just a cacophony of mistakes, and everything that's good about it has nothing to do with the movie itself. The whole movie is random asides that are meant to shock you. Every line that's funny in the movie is not the main dialogue. It happens at the very end of the scene before it cuts. It's it is completely it is the whole movie is meant to disorient and to <laughs> crazy mess you up and i could spend and my dream at that time uh was was to work for slashfilm.com no it was it was to um it was to do like a commentary for this we wanted to do like a podcast at the time it was this is like 2003 yeah. you can do that Jermaine you know I know we could <laughs> we could have, we, just, we just never did I know but we wanted to do a podcast together and just be like all right like can you why are there ties hanging down from the trees here in this scene it makes no sense and you like know just what? Discuss- I could answer all of your questions about this movie Jermaine nobody oh. cared nobody <laughs> cared at all about anything happening in this movie there's your answer for everything but somebody did like you like well, you guys know better than I do even like everybody who ever makes a movie they don't set out to make a bad movie it becomes I, I, a bad movie around the way you know, but Jermaine I I would like to believe that I tend to work with that life philosophy I don't know if that's true with this movie I, that's the thing but see yeah, that's the thing, I don't know. That's the thing is that I I don't disagree with you and is that but then how did it get here how did the it get story, made in story, how did it get made? As I'm sure the script eventually, like if you take that first two minutes of this movie where it's like, oh my God, these guys are cheaters and they have this scam and they have this whole intricate plan. You're like, okay, I'm with this. And then the second the credits end, this like, this like score comes on. It's like, bah, 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 and the movie ends. That's it. The rest yeah. of the movie is dog shit. But that first 90 seconds during the credits is like, oh my God, like, holy crap. What is this? Like, it, it almost you could see that there it, are both like every movie with a really dramatic opening narration. Like I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Can I? Can I just do something real quick, guys? I just re, I, I was looking up like seeing who reviewed this movie. Roger Ebert <laughs> reviewed this movie. He gave it zero stars. I'm just going to read his introduction here. Please. <laughs> Slackers is a dirty movie, 
not a sexy, erotic, steamy, or even smutty movie, but a just plain dirty movie. It made me feel unclean, and I'm the guy who liked There's Something About Mary and both American Pie movies. Oh, and Booty Call. This film knows no shame. Well, those movies are all actually good movies. Those are good movies. Even Booty Call is a good movie. Even Booty Call, yes. Yeah. Oh, no, this movie, like, it is, like, even at the time, was homophobic, misogynist, gross. Like, it is offensive and as i was watching it i think i tweeted i was laughing that i made you guys watch it because it is so uncomfortable to watch like <laughs> the sex scenes and all these things that just don't fit and you the call spree- them that. yeah, yeah exactly. if you and can the call creepy- them that. <laughs> and the creepy stalker guy that he's the star of the movie played by jason Schwartzman, and and the gaffes in this movie there's so many mistakes in it it's just I, like I, i'm so fascinated by it to this day that, like I said, like I just want to talk to somebody about it. And one time, John Chang, he currently works at HBO in the engineering department. Oh, wow. You're just really outing your friend wow. here. Yep. Okay. Wow. No, 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 no. He, he met Dewey Nix. Dewey Nix was there, and he, he was like talking about something, and the guy's <laughs> name came up. And he's like, wait, Dewey Nix, did you direct Slackers? And he's like, what? Yeah. And he like talked to him, and he got his like DVD signed. So John has a Dewey Nix signed DVD, the only one in the world, I would imagine. But I'm saying like, that guy, like, he was like a, he's like a, he was like a famous fashion photographer. That's how, yeah. spoiler alert, Cameron Diaz is in the movie multiple times <laughs> because, like, he had, like, shot a lot of, like, stuff with her. So, like, this guy, he, he wanted to make a movie and he tried to make a movie. And, like, I said, hey, I Cameron was- Diaz, come into this movie for the grossest side scenes <laughs> imaginable. Imaginable. You right. want to. You want to just grind on Jason Schwartzman for for thirty <laughs> seconds, please? Please come in, give us a day for that. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was like an hour. I mean, they shot. They did shoot the big Marvel credits and credit scene with uh, with uh, Cameron Diaz there. Um, I love the music in this movie. Like, dude, there is an acapella, not acapella, a choral version of the sign by Ace of Base in this movie. Why? I don't care. It's excellent. Like, it's just like I said. There are so many things that like are these like pings of greatness. In this otherwise pile of dog shit that I like, I said I could watch it every day, and I did for like three years. And I I know it's bad. I know it's terrible. Like it's so bad. Everybody is just phoning it in. Jermaine, you should have warned us to get high before watching this movie. I know I think that, that would be the only way to enjoy it. I probably yeah. should have like yeah like, and that is definitely like my excuse for it is that we were so stoned every time we watch it, and now like that like just is imprinted in me anyway that is sort of my pitch of why i want i knew it was bad i knew i loved it and like this is kind of very very self-serving in that i wanted to talk about this for so long as you can kind of tell um and now i am very open to hear your guys thoughts about the wonder that is doing nick slackers all right davindra hit us okay give me give me a second here and take a sip of water (laughs) i hate this movie I hate this movie. I hate everything about this movie. I I swear, like, this movie not only made me feel dirty as I was watching it, I felt bad for for everybody involved. Really, really. Like, I, I was actually going to look up the, uh, you know, the, the often quoted uh, Billy Madison quote about, like, yeah, I give you no point. This movie is not even worth that that quote. This movie is... A complete waste of time. It makes me feel bad for every single person involved, including people I genuinely like, like uh, Jason Schwartzman. Um, you know, Jason Schwartzman was he, he was in Rushmore. 
before this. Like, clearly he had, like, a career. He had things going on, right? Kevin Sawa was a big star at the time. He's a big star. Clearly, they read this script. They were like, okay, I'm going to put my face uh, saying these <laughs> words. I'm going to agree to that for money, and that that's going to be part of my life. They agreed to this, so now this movie makes me think less of them, which is which is kind of sad. Uh, this movie treats every single woman either like a sex-crazed maniac or like the, you know, the virginal bride that must be one. Uh, this movie does things with sex scenes that I... I don't even understand. At one point, Laura Prepon is uh, is is just like masturbating on a couch, and uh, Big Pete from Pete and Pete comes in, and she's like, I- "I'm masturbating," and she just she just keeps doing it, masturbating <laughs> in the dorms. In, in the that's, oh, well, so you get uh, we go to art school, but she keeps doing it while while he's there, and that's still supposed to be like a weirdly sexy scene. At some point, there's a there's just like a blowjob from a porn movie starts happening. Uh, in the scene for no reason other oh, than the, the, the stepmom, the stepmom, other, who yeah, other than Devin Sawa enters the room. And she's <laughs> like, I gotta, I gotta do this. this there, are so many, there are so many I, watching it again. I couldn't There's believe how many masturbation mask. scenes are. There's yeah. so many masturbation scenes. It's crazy. I don't <laughs> know what this movie is doing. Like nothing about it works. It's not funny. It's not entertaining. Uh, I hate all these characters. I really, I really just want to cool, Ethan. He's such a cool guy. They, they totally listen to cool. Hall. Totally cool. This movie, this movie feels like the college experience of somebody who's eventually going to get me tooed, like out of existence. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> like they, they filmed his college experience <laughs> and called it Slackers, directed by Dewey Nix. That's my. <laughs> but it's about cheating, guys. It's not about a dude with a hair doll. It's barely about that. Who are these characters? What are they doing? But but at <laughs> least Avenger, at least at the end they learn the the they learn the error of their ways. Learn nothing. Yeah. Oh, right. That's right. They print out diplomas yeah. and they go I, on to very successful jobs. I, I actually really enjoy uh things set on college campuses. Like I, I enjoy high school comedies. I enjoy college comedies. Uh I really like undeclared. Uh, the American Pie movies I've always loved, even when they got into college. There's some good college links too. Uh, Greek is a great TV show uh, set primarily around like hijinks on college. This movie is even worse than Revenge of the Nerds, which has one of the lead characters commit rape as a victorious finale. I don't, I don't understand. Thank you, Jermaine, and also I hate you so much. <laughs> wow, I don't even We're know if fun. I need to say anything else after that. Uh, but yeah, uh, the the Revenge of the Nerds reference is apt, I think, because this movie like, was made in 2002. It yeah. feels like it was made in 1902. You know, <laughs> when it comes to like attitudes towards women, it is so retrograde, so misogynist, so offensive, and uh, I mean, there's just like f- weird crazy sexual things that happen for no reason since we're it's not very racist because there are no people of color in this movie <laughs> yes right so we're, we're, we're uh there's a moment where um uh you know this woman that he ends up falling in love with like he gets a blow job from her stepmom like that's never revisited again like they well, never come back to that, the fact that, that oh, it's, come her stepmom. it's her stepmom so it's okay He's he's not just a creep. He, he he's in the clear because she hates her. <laughs> they come back to it. They reveal that's the stepmom. What? And then his mom uh, has her breast sucked by uh, Cool Ethan in a dream, which is of course very very normal. Yeah, the, the Cool Ethan part is is pretty upsetting. You know what I mean? Like in in light of like 
sociopath, right? That's all. That's it. He's a sociopath, right? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. He he. Yeah. He's he's it's it's a really upsetting character. Yeah. That has a lot of good lines and comes with great nicknames for people like Laser. Tell me the uh, Jermaine. Jermaine, like when we were talking on Twitter, you said you would mount a serious defense of this movie. (laughs) And all I'm hearing is that you liked it when you were high and you watched it every day. So what what are the good lines? What Uh, I don't have no, I don't have a serious defense. I I mounted my defense. My defense (laughs) I think the movie is uh is so many mistakes that are just so out there you just can't stop thinking about them. Like I said, for example, like there's a but I, I referenced it earlier. Like he goes in on the job interview at the end. He goes, Mr. Dulles, what one word would describe you perfectly? He goes, I'd have to say slave to the freaky ass booty. And he goes, that's not one word. And you're like, what? Like, that's so stupid. And, but it makes no sense. And then it just keeps going. And how did they get into that building? And every single scene, if you pause it or think about it, has like 17 layers of what the fuck on it. And yeah, I think that's just the mark of a bad movie. But also, it's so bad and it's so crazy in every single scene. Or he comes at the end, he's like, I'm not going to lie anymore, Sam. Jason Siegel, who is an incredibly talented guy here again. Uh-huh. And he's like, I have something to say to you. I think I'm going to say it outside of the cage. What? What does that mean? Why do you have a cage I in your don't. door? <laughs> <laughs> They're just, it's every single thing. What about Jim Rash and Nat Faxon in this movie, the Oscar winning screenwriters of The Descendants? who randomly have these two roles, they must have been friends with Dewey Nix or something. Yes. And at the time, it didn't matter. But now it's like, why are these guys in here? Like I said, it's just most movies are about the main plot and everything on the outside of it, like why they go into a scene, why they go out to a scene, makes no sense or, or is superfluous. This is the opposite, where everything about this movie that's interesting is on the beginning and the outs of the scene. Like when they Dave walks into the dorm room to talk about Angela, and his two friends are talking about Hey, Dave, is it true you have to go through straight a gay porn to get into straight porn? And you're like, yeah, that's true. You have to have sex with gay guys before you have sex. And you're like, why are you talking about this? And then the scene just keeps going. Like, it's so bonkers, crazy, unreal that, like, I watch it. And like I said, I'm, I'm fascinated by why these things made it in the movie. And like I said, I don't, I can't mount a defense of it. I, I have no defense of it. It's indefensibly terrible. But... <laughs> If you have seen it as many times as I have and know every single line, like I said, like like the needle drops, like they get the who they paid the who money to use Baba O'Reilly. Like, how is that possible? Like Ace of Base sings a song and then he goes, guys, I saw the sign. Like, it's just it's like, oh, my God, it makes no sense. Like. Like I literally just could go on. There was no actual sign. Like there was no sign for. No, there's there's a literal sign that says like like move forward in the future or something there there's a literal sign yes but i'm saying he didn't it didn't feel like he even like saw anything right it didn't feel like oh, he no. was actually no, moving forward in no way. no one no the, the, i mean that's one of the things watching it again that i kind of realized is that yeah like no one ever changes like plot wise they say like oh i've learned and like like i get expelled from school at the end oh, nobody gives a fuck i'm not gonna talk about spoilers <laughs> but it's like it's like you, you've already spoiled anything. the film, Jermaine. So feel free to. I spoiled yeah. the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. I know. So I, I, I gave away the the end credit scene. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's it's like a it's like a, a carnival of confusing, meant to shock and titillate by doing the dumbest thing ever in every single moment, and you could just watch one scene all night, every night, and be like, oh my god, what is happening? Uh, it's it's that bad. It's that level of insane that I just uh, I have an affinity for it and the people in it. 
So, uh, Jermaine, uh, I have a couple questions to ask you, but one of them is, since you know every moment of this movie, what is your favorite moment that you like unironically in this movie? Unironically? Yeah. Um, That you actually genuinely think is good? I I think it's the opening credits. I I think, like, if you watch it... (laughs) AKA the AKA the uh, the what is it the the high point of the movie is the opening the high credits. point of the movie opening credits the Baba O'Reilly instrumental and the the idea that these guys are like are 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 gaming their college it's this idea of like okay we're the movie it's it's the only moment where the movie has like any potential to tell you a kind of cool interesting story you're like oh are there these anti heroes who are going to take their school like what are they doing how are they doing this and then like I said. It goes into the, like this like sitcommy thing, and it becomes about a stalker and pornography, and, and, and that's it. But that's the one part I hate. I like unironically. Um, that that's basically it. Mm-hmm. I think. I think the rest of it is all kind of ironic, and I, and like I said, it just it it goes so far off the rails. Like, yeah. why is there a musical interlude? Of, like, three is a magic number. Why? Why is there anything? <laughs> why is there? Why is this movie? Why right. does it? Why does this why is out like like why like have you guys seen PCU the Jeremy yes. Piven movie I, yeah. I actually genuinely like that I used to watch it a lot uh, yeah. during the 90s uh, even that movie which is basically Revenge of the Nerds again sort of uh, <laughs> except in like a you know high class uh, Connecticut elite college um, even that movie is better than this I oh man oh no no so, yeah, yeah. it's just a shame here's here's my question though here's my question though Jermaine is you actually are a big fan of Entourage, the the show and film, unironically. Yeah. Isn't that correct? Yes. I mean, don't you? This makes a lot of sense. Th- this yeah. is clear. This movie, Slacker, is clearly a precursor to that kind of storytelling, right? Like it, it's it's like these dudes broing out, getting some hot chicks, uh, n- like even if they make some mistakes and some elements of their life goes wrong. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Ultimately, everything's gonna be okay. Like they you don't have ne- people shouting lines like, "This is college. You bag your own bitches." Okay, yeah. it's not a bitch. It's a yeah. lovely person. Yeah. I so, know, I know. so God. I, I guess one, one question I have is like, no, yeah, no. why, yeah. why do you like Entourage, but you, but you actually seem like you know? And I understand this movie has a, like a, a place in your heart from you and your friend enjoying it, and I, I get it. Like you, you know, you like I have movies that I enjoyed with friends that like key parts of my life that like I don't necessarily think are good, but so so I understand that as a concept. But um, this movie, you actually seem to think you like you understand on a, on a deep level that Slackers is actually a bad movie, but you don't seem to have that same feeling for Entourage. So no, I guess I understand. I'm. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm just curious, like, what distinguishes Slackers from Entourage, in your opinion? I think Entourage, uh, over that, I think it's more, like, yeah, it definitely has, it's definitely problematic in a in a 2019 way. And at the same time, like, like I get it, but I think it's really, I, I, again, I think it's a personal thing. I grew up in New York. I moved to Los Angeles to be in the movie industry, you know, uh, and it was sort of that idealistic version that you thought of when you were a teenage boy mm-hmm. of, of like, oh my god, the money and the cars and the sneakers and the girls. I, and, I don't like Entourage. I think even Entourage has like characters that you can sort yeah. of start to like. Right, like and there, think, there's and something it, there. And to me, the and the best part about Entourage isn't isn't the glitz and the glam. It's the real insider baseball. Like they do it. They do whole episodes where like the agent can't find the actor, and the manager's fighting with the agent. Like if you like Hollywood, 
and you can get over some of like the you know the the misogyny and, and you know pers- you know all that kind of yeah, if you get prepared women. for real Hollywood watch on <laughs> no, yeah yeah exactly no but honestly like probably I mean but at the same time like yeah yeah I, I love I love all the cameos I love you know there, there's whole episodes about like going to the valley to like your premiere as a star like it really like as a kid growing up you know and, and I didn't move to Los Angeles until the show was over but it was like, oh, my God, like, that's what I would do. I would like I'd get in a limo to go to the Arclight and like see the premiere of my movie. And it just felt like real L.A. and it felt like real Hollywood. And to an extent, it is. So that's why, like, where I think I think Entourage is trying to tell a more interesting story. Yeah, it's about bros. Like how many movies are about bro- Lord of the Rings is about bros. You know what I mean? Like like, like a lot of movies and things how are about. Dare like, how, how dare you? <laughs> Is it a group of guys that going to solve a problem? No, bros, no, but, but I, I would say bro. More yeah, than bros. I, I would say of bros course, are like bros, is like something. a specific sensibility that, like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. like Quote, beyond, beyond just like dudes like being you know cool to each other. Like, there's this very specific like like that they use the word dude. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's no, a I very get, specific I, I milieu. Yeah. Unquote bro, like, uh, yeah. yeah, I understand. No, no, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it is. I mean, like, I, I. I don't really see the comparison that you're making, Dave. Other side than <laughs> I'm the link between the two. I like. Uh, I think if Slackers was a TV show and it run like seven seasons on HBO, um, but yeah. I so mean, like, so you're right. I mean, I, I'm convinced. Like you, you mounted a pretty convincing, you know, defense of the entourage there, which is like there's basically more to it than just you know uh, dudes getting with chicks, right? And like yeah. Uh, every like there's there's kind of this whole send up of the present Hollywood system that you might be interested in if you're into Hollywood, right? So like and, and an insight that you don't get in other shows uh, about like how making a movie works, you know, you didn't get I, to see. I you, guess you never get to... I, I don't know that I would think Entourage <laughs> yeah. is a particularly realistic depiction of how to make a movie, but um, I don't know that Medellin is like a really like realistic. Uh, anyway. My my point being that they, they, they made that it was a Netflix show and they made Aquaman and they made the Ferrari movie and they made Great Gatsby like yeah. everything he made he joked about in the show became a real movie so I think it yeah. was that's kind more of, about yeah the poverty of Hollywood's <laughs> imagination than anything, a little else, bit, little than bit, sure. anything else come on sure. so so I want to I want to read one more bit from the Ebert review yeah please it's, it's classic please, go ahead watching Slackers I was appalled. <laughs> by the poverty of its imagination. <laughs> there is even a scene where Ethan approaches a girl from behind thinking she is Angela, and of course she turns around and it is not Angela, but a girl who wears braces and smiles at him so widely, and for so long we can almost hear the assistant director instructing her to be sure the camera can see those braces. That's what this movie is. <laughs> wow. Man, you know, that... that... Girl was probably pretty happy with her performance in this movie, and uh, yeah. you know Roger Ebert shit all over it. So, and you guys haven't even talked about Mamie Van Doren uh, getting a sponge bath or the sponge bath song. I, I mean, I, I mentioned I mentioned that, but that is uh, also yet another random weird sex thing. He, oh, like, he, he, here's man. my here, here's my question though, Jermaine is like you've had to Just rewatch you, you've had to rewatch this movie uh, for didn't have to. <laughs> You chose you chose to rewatch this movie and make us endure it. And looking back on it, like, what do you feel about it? You know, like because I'll tell you, I'll tell you, like when I watch a thing that I used to love, and it, I watch it again and it's terrible, I feel shame. You know, I feel like, oh man, like I can't believe I ever liked this. 
think Jeremy Nice it was terrible from from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the difference. I, I've definitely watched things that I grew up liking and been like, oh god, this is not good. But it was not good in like a it's just not good way. This was always bad. Like I I I enjoy parts of it unironically, but I've always enjoyed it ironically. So when I watch it again, I just fall back into laughing at the stupidity. Like and and I kind of gleefully enjoyed knowing you guys were watching it, knowing how much you hated it, because that was to me the point of winning the summer you're, you're movie. Just you're just <laughs> but, a troll, right? I mean, the it Joker was, it's of movie recommendations. It's, like, why did uh, Devinder or Dave? I'm sure which it was uh, made you watch people watch Gods of Egypt. It wasn't to be like you guys should watch this movie. I liked this kid. It was to be like f you watch this and be. Well, and, there, there were like I didn't even really like Gods of Egypt that much, but there was there was a level of ambition. There was yeah. a level of like uh, vision in that sure. movie that sure. this movie completely lacks. And I'll leave you guys with the tweets. I, I This is what I felt as I was watching Slackers. Um, <laughs> I tweeted, watching Slackers because Jermaine made us. And I'm pretty sure humanity would be better off if this movie was erased from existence. But 15 minutes later, 15 minutes later, my follow-up. But on second thought, it must be remembered. Just like all atrocities of the past, we must learn from our mistakes, lest we repeat them. <laughs> well, I don't know if I could say it any better than that, Devendra, but I, I, I think that's a great place must to end. Monument to this movie, uh, it'll be near all the conservative, uh, all the like, um, <laughs> which are the the monuments in the South, basically. Right. It's, it's, like, it's like it's like it's like to sort of wrap it up here too is. When I won, Peter said, oh, you guys, I think I'm going to have to watch High School Musical, which is a movie that my wife and I, the whole series, we hold dear to our hearts. Yes. In an ironic way. We, we would have loved watching High School Musical. <laughs> right, of course. Movie. It's a fun movie. and But again, like that wasn't why I did this. I wanted to inflict pain. Yeah. Rather wanted, than joy, you wanted pain. This right. And I wanted, I wanted to finally live my dream of talking about slackers on a podcast that people actually listen to, as opposed to me and John – uh, recording a commentary and putting it that, that like my mom listens to, you know what I mean? Like that would have been the only way in like 2004 that anybody would have listened to that. Well, but I took me 15 years, but I, I made it. And that was it. This is my reward. This whole podcast today was my reward for winning this fun summer movie wager. My first time. And I know you guys hated it. I agree. It's bad, but I do want to thank you both for actually taking the time to watch it, considering it, and and being mad at it and being cool with me for doing it because that was very very cool of you guys um and so thank you for that and Jermaine, peter Jermaine, i want to make one thing clear i'm not cool that you need this. <laughs> i'm not cool i will remember this i will remember this and the next right. time i win the summer movie wager i will i will seek out to inflict the most pain possible upon you so just so, think about that. Think about that in the next few I'll years. I'll just pull up Peter Serretta and then never do it. So it's yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, you know, Devinder, I feel like you've already wrapped this up really low, but I do want to mention yeah. one last thing, which is I think the moment when I this movie leapt from inoffensively bad to like truly upsetting and I'm actually like actively angry that Jermaine made yeah. me watch it yeah. was when Jason Schwartzman put uh, Jamie King's characters like panties on his head and yeah. i was just like this guy is a fucking psycho like it, it's yeah it's not funny it's not funny it's like upsetting yeah, but 
Yeah, but do you know what he did after that? To really bring it home is then he took a, a candle in his hand and they met at his penis. And what happened there, I don't know, but that's literally what happens in the movie. Again. Yeah, he, he, he basically started masturbating using uh, a can- candle wax. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just like... I, I won't knock it. I won't knock, you know, your kinks. But uh, yeah, he's still a psychopath. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean it's just like wow. That's this is like um, he has a hair doll of the of the girl, and he also he he masturbates no, to not that. A, not a hair doll. It fell out of her hair that way, and he wants it back. Okay, okay, hair we're hair. done. We're done here. <laughs> Uh, you can find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes from adamwarrock.com. Our spoiler broker comes from filmmaker Kyle Hillinger. Uh, and this episode was edited by Beatty Zhang. Stay tuned to hear what we'll be discussing next week. In the meantime, Jermaine Lucier. You know, I don't even want to tell people where they can find no, your no, work. <laughs> no exposure. None. <laughs> but Jermaine, you can find him at io9 and, and Gizmodo. How about you, Devendra? Uh, you can find me on a gadget. Uh, I write about tech there. You can find me on Twitter at, at Devendra. And we're also starting up the Engadget TED podcast again. So check that out soon. And I have a new podcast called Culturally Relevant. You can find it at culturallyrelevantshow.com. I interview very cool people on that show. Check it out. Again, culturallyrelevantshow.com or culturally relevant in your uh, podcast directories, wherever you, you download your stuff. Uh, next week, we're actually not sure what we're going to be reviewing uh, at this point. Um I think it's probably going to be between the Goldfinch and Hustlers, right? It's definitely so, going to be Hustlers. Come on. Come on. So if you see both movies, you're going to be covered. Um, <laughs> just as an FYI, uh, I, David Chen, will not be here next week, and hopefully Jeff Kanata will be. So right. uh, I'm going to be awesome. on vacation in Iceland, and Jeff Kanata will be uh, hopefully back and recovered, and, and that'll be great. So, so that is what the plan is for next week. Uh, we'll tweet it out from the Slash Filmcast handle, twitter.com slash Slash Filmcast, uh, the final uh, thing that we'll be reviewing. So thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Yeah.